Welcome to episode two. We are going to talk with uh, Nicole Burgess um, about women and teens and moms and daughters and how anxiety can impact those relationships. I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Hi, Nicole. Uh, Welcome to the Woman Warriors podcast. It's so nice to have you. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Elizabeth. I'm very excited about this conversation. I am too. So I'm going to just do a little quick intro for you, but then tell us, I want you to tell us more about yourself. So this is Nicole Burgess. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, She also has a podcast herself, uh, Launching Your Daughter, but she works Uh, I don't know if it's primarily, but your focus is on women and teens and stress and anxiety, right? Yes, it's correct. That is. So my practice is about half and half, I think, with teen girls and with women who come in with anxiety and some mild depression. And ever so often, there's trauma that is underneath that. Yes. Yeah. And, And would you say that's pretty, well, you said every so often, so... What percentage of your clients do you think have trauma? You know, probably the majority of them, but they really resonate a lot more when they see the word anxiety, stress, overwhelm. It's like, yeah, that sounds like me. Mm -hmm. And then as we get to talking, I'm finding out, oh, there's been various trauma that's either happened when they were much younger in childhood or maybe as an adult, whether it's been an abusive relationship or something along that line. And it's causing anxiety because the trauma actually hasn't been dealt with and they don't know the tools to be able to deal with it. So comes in that looking that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so sort of entering it, the counseling relationship with managing the stress or anxiety or whatever they're, they're calling it at that time. And then later, kind of you picking up that, oh, well, then maybe there's a little bit more going on here. Yes, yes. I, I find in my practice that there are times when clients will come and They'll even say, well, it's not anxiety. Like, I'm just stressed out. Like, Yes. <laughs> um, and so how, if you were to describe how, how you see anxiety and, and relating it to stress, like, how, tell me how you would address that with a client. Yeah. So a lot of times when women or girls come in to work through, it's mostly what they'll tell me is I'm feeling really overwhelmed, especially with like teen girls and schoolwork. There's a lot of procrastination and feeling just overwhelmed and they've got to be perfect in everything. What happens is when I describe, when I start to kind of explore a little more with them. It's like, yeah, well, I guess it could be anxiety. And anxiety to me is like you're ruminating on things, meaning you're getting stuck in your thoughts and you're not able to let things go. You're not able to move forward. You've stopped taking action in order to get that clarity that you need or to be able to tell fear to just take a back seat. It doesn't need to be driving you around these days. Whereas stress, we all have it at different points in time whether it's um, an environmental stress, something new is happening, maybe you're giving a presentation or you're driving to a new location and you're a little more worried about where that is and how you're going to get there type of thing. It's like, yeah, that comes and goes. To me, the anxiety is more of a chronic thing. It's like you got your brain is stuck in this loop that keeps you there and you're trying to find ways to how to end the the, the loop, the habit of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it doesn't go away as easily once you're stuck in it. Correct. Yes. 
Yeah. Whereas worry or like the stressors, right, they may come and go that day or maybe a couple of days where the anxiety is more like I call it's kind of latched on to you in that sense. And it's like, no, 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 no. I need to keep you really worried and, and scared about a lot of things day in and day out and maybe for weeks at a time where you're really trying to help your brain go, no, 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 I am. I'm OK. I am safe and learning ways to be able to manage that in a much healthier way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so. I know that uh, you do work with families as well as, you know, individuals. And so Mm -hmm. how do you see anxiety impacting the relationships within families, whether it's mother, daughter, or, you know, parents or children, or how, how do you see that? So oftentimes when I am talking with the parents, I start to pick up various kind of signs or behaviors or thought patterns they've got going on that indicate to me they they also may have some anxiety issues as well. And so some of their behaviors that they do then gets transferred down to their daughter. And so when we start to raise that awareness and we start to talk about these patterns or the way that things are communicated, then it's like, oh, I wasn't even aware of that. So they parents will start to kind of shift how they communicate and then they stop trying to maybe fix or push maybe what their daughter is doing and just let her be able to tell them how she's feeling. And then she starts to become a little more relaxed and the relationship starts to change. Other times, if there's not really the anxiety that is more from the genetic side of it or the learned behavior, it's just that different dynamic between, you know, having an adolescent versus when they were much younger and just how to navigate that. So it really goes back to trying to tell parents what's pretty typical or so-called normal within that age group or that developmental stage so that they also feel a little more calm and like, oh, okay, this is normal when they do this, like roll their eyes or they do it this way. I'm like, yep. So just ignore that behavior as long as everybody is safe, you know, physically safe. But you really want to acknowledge if she's sharing with you how she's had a frustrating day and if she's coming with you with solutions, right? To me, she's able to manage that. Not try, Don't try and fix it for her. Let her come up or ask, does she want some feedback on how to work through that? Mm. So with both of those, I'm hearing two parents on some level, like wanting to fix, like mm-hmm. for, for the child, like let's, here's, here's the solution. You need to try this. Yes, because it's like their anxiety level is up, right? They're really worried about their daughter and how she is behaving or what she's doing differently, or they see her stressed out really often, or that she's just more irritable, she's more grumpy because she's so stressed out and they want to make that stop. They want her to be happy again. But the more they try and so-called fix it, the daughter gets more irritated at them because they're like, I'm not asking for a solution. Stop it. I'm just coming here to vent about things and trying to figure things out or I'm, I'm stuck in this and I'll ask for help if I need it. Right, right. Because I think, I mean, just basing this on my own experience totally, <laughs> but, you know, when there's a lot of solutions offered, it almost feels like additional pressure. Like these yes. are the things you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> Yes, exactly. (laughs) And it's like, stop, just stop. (laughs) (laughs) Right, because that actually can add to the anxiety of like, I'm not doing enough or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yes. Internally. What, what are you seeing with uh, all your clients? Like what, what's prompting this anxiety? Do you see an increase? I've been asked that by other um, interviewers, like, 
do you see an increase in anxiety across the board for women and teens altogether? I think we are having a lot more discussions about it. And I, you know, some of the articles that I have read from various um, doctors and scientific studies, they're seeing that there really is an increase. And I think some of it, and I'm not totally bashing social media, Mm -hmm. but it does do a lot of really reinforcing that. There is so much comparison that goes on. And you and I both know when you do a lot of the comparing, that joy in life starts to go away. Mm -hmm. And for teenagers, it's a huge thing of see who's doing what and this is going on and -and so-and-so said this. And it's so much more rapid versus my generation or the generation before that. We didn't have all of that. Mm-hmm. I still think we have a lot of messages for females in general, and I don't care what age you are, that says, you know, we have to be perfect. We have to do everything all the time and do it all really well. And that's just, it's not true and, and it's not possible. Right. So really being able to, you know, help other people break that myth that we've got to be everything to everybody and all the time. It's like, no, 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 let's start, let's start challenging. Where is that actually coming from? Where does that thought stem from? Did you say it? Did somebody else in the family say it? Did society say it? And let's challenge it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it could be family oriented where, you know, the expectations are, well, this is the way I did it. So you need to be Mm -hmm. perfect too. But too, societally, it does feel that I mean, not that men aren't pressured to be perfect and do well as also, but correct. But I feel like for women, there's there tends to be this is a generalization, but so much more expected. Like, yes, you're going to get a job, but you're also going to mm-hmm. have a family, and you're going to do that really well, and you're going to buy a house and have all the things you need to have, and just right. Yeah. Keep that up and do the job and do the parenting and do this and do the, you know, the marriage and doing da 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 da. And there's the constant list. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, it's like, yeah, men and women, you can't do any of that perfectly. There's some days that things are going to go really well. And there's some times and seasons, right, where things will go smoothly and other times they won't. But it's being very intentional of what you're really letting into your life, like what messages you're letting in and what messages you need to say, hey, that's not mine, mm-hmm. and release it and let that go. Yeah. I I 100% agree with you, but how do you help your clients do that? How do you help them recognize when maybe that story is somebody else's? So I do a couple different things. I, I incorporate a lot of mindfulness stuff. And I know for some people, they're like, oh, no, I don't want to do that, which for me, the mindfulness is just keep bringing your attention back to the present. That's all that is. And we may incorporate um, some guided meditations. We may actually do just, you know, hey, do some meditations outside of the office. There's various apps they can use to practice that. And I know sometimes people are like, but Nicole, I can't do that for 30, 45 minutes or whatever. I'm like, five minutes. We all know that it, it changes how our brain responds to things versus reacts to things because it builds up the gray matter. The other kind of technique I use, which is called the cognitive behavioral technique, which is really challenging the thoughts that are coming in. So it's paying attention, like, what are the triggers? What are you telling yourself? What behaviors do you associate with those thoughts? And then being able to reorient that, like, is that really true? Where's the evidence that backs it up, right? So when fear is really driving things, it's going to find whatever it can to say, oh, that's so true. That's so true. And when we really pause and look at it, it's like, oh, no, that actually isn't. Or the odds of that happening is really, really low. So that starts to take that down. And 
the brain then is able to go, okay, again, I call it like the saber tooth tiger is not going to come get me today. It's like, nope, I am okay. I am safe. I just something I'm outside my comfort zone and that's okay. That's how I grow. That's how I learn. Mm, Yeah. Well, and I think that combination of the cognitive, you know, the cognitions, like what are you thinking and how Mm -hmm. are your thoughts triggering what you're feeling Mm -hmm. isn't always apparent like that you're, it's something, especially in these stories that we have that, or we've taken on through life, like, you know, you're telling yourself, I need to be perfect, or I need to do the best at everything, I, or I have to be taking on all these extra things um, to get kind of behind that and have some an aware, awareness around it. The mindfulness yes. can really be so great. Yes, I and you've hit it exactly. It's when we just we're kind of going along life and maybe it worked for us in the past, but now all of a sudden that certain behavior that we're doing or those thoughts that are running through for we don't have that awareness, it's like, wait, this isn't working for me anymore. And so that's the beauty of what we do, right? Being able to help them slow that down and draw a little more awareness to that. And then it's like they're they have so much power because they can change that. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And that that power of I can change it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because I think so often anxiety feels like it's this thing we can't, that that just takes over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Going back to like the mother-daughter relationships, you know, what are you finding most helpful to allow anxiety not to get in the way of that closeness or, or that positive relationship? I think the biggest piece that I see over and over is one, for moms not to fix what's going on, two, really slowing the conversation down between the mom and the daughter of allowing the daughter to really share what maybe she's frustrated about, worried about, any of that, and for the mom to just really reflect back what it is. And then, again, ask permission do you want me to help you with solutions? Do you want to brainstorm that together? What? How can I best support you? That goes a long, long way because the daughter then feels more heard and like, okay, mom's trusting me, so maybe I can really trust myself. It's like, well, you know, moms are like, well, yeah, you've done X, Y, and Z in the past, so I know you're very capable of, you know, asking for that support from your teacher or talking to your friends about this, but I also understand this can feel really awkward or nerve-wracking at times. So, you know, the moms being able to sometimes just reflect back of all the behaviors they've witnessed their daughter do, maybe reminding her of that, but really truly not trying to fix whatever that issue is and not taking it personal. I think that's the biggest thing. A lot of times for girls, the teen girls, sometimes it just looks like they totally have a meltdown in the sense like there's crying and maybe there's some yelling and they just seem like they're really inconsolable. And then moms sometimes will be like, well, I I failed them. I didn't do this right. What have I done wrong? And it's like, no, 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 you haven't. This is just where they are right now with their brain development, too. So it's being able to take that step back and going, okay, that was their moment. Let's see what we can do once she's calmed herself down. And it's just really not trying to take on all your daughter's stuff because it's also not yours to take on. And being really compassionate with yourself, too, that, again, there is no perfect mom, no perfect daughter, no perfect husband. There's just no perfect in the world. We're all imperfect. And being able to embrace that. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, and I that reminder that like you know, and then, and this can be hard in all relationships, but that what they're going through is their stuff. Like yes, their stuff. And yes, it may be poking you or triggering you or making you <laughs> feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and being conscious and aware of that, that can be a, a hard thing to do. Yes. Again, right? Because we all have our, our moments, whether again, if you've had a long day, if you're tired, if you're hungry, your so-called tolerance level can be down. And so if you do get triggered, again, that self-compassion is once you've come to the front front part of your brain again, and you've been able to calm down, you can go back and repair that break that happened in the relationship with your daughter. You can go back and go, wow, you know, I lost my cool. I'm really sorry that I did that. You know, can you forgive me? And then it's the same thing. You're role modeling that then to your daughter. So when she has those momentary meltdowns, she's able to come back and like, wow, I really got overtaken by my emotions and I took it out on you and that wasn't okay. And there it is Mm. that it's like we're, you know, you're role modeling that to her. She's able to see that and that we really start to really break that myth that women have to be everything or have everything perfected it's like oh no we're all messy it's it's gonna happen yeah and and owning that humanness of like all right well i i lost it yesterday or whatever it is like i did blow up and here i am paving the way to say okay i'm sorry like i (laughs) i i know i'm not perfect and here's how we can move forward yes exactly yeah yeah well i know i personally have struggled with that i don't have daughters i have sons but just Allowing that we make mistakes as parents, I think, has been, you know, something that I've I've worked on. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, you know, with every relationship, like you were saying before, it's when you know yourself, you, again, when you know what some of those things are that trigger you, you know your thoughts, you're more able to catch them and be more responsive versus reactive. But there's no perfection. You're going to have moments that sometimes you're going to be reactive. It's like, okay, let me do a take two on that (laughs) and try that again. And that's part of it. Anytime we're in that human relationship, right? Sometimes things are going to go smooth and sometimes not so much. (laughs) Yeah. And as you said, right, you just, you add in all the things that bring you to that moment anyway, whether it's a tough day or not enough sleep or you're hungry and it just adds to that reactivity sometimes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so if you had one tip that you could offer teens, moms, or both in terms of, you know, managing their anxiety in a more effective or daily way, what would that be? Oh my gosh, just one? Um. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't have to be a fix all, but, (laughs) or you can, you can can have two tips if you want. (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, one thing that I find to be a beautiful practice is for mom and daughters to still find some time together, just the two of them and do some of that one-on-one time. So whether you have one daughter or you have multiple daughters, spend some of that one-on-one time with them. And whether it's doing something they like to do or just being together, right? Being present, listening to one another, you know, laughing, having fun, be present, Because our time continues to move forward and you've only got this time with them. And then, you know, eventually they're launching, they'll be out of the house. So I think that's the biggest piece is really 
be set some intentional alone time together with your daughter. Hmm. I love that. I love that. It's funny because uh, just from, again, speaking on my own experience that oftentimes now all three of my kids are pretty much launched. And so <laughs> the times we do spend together, it's often all of us. So yeah, big, intense, you know, everybody's big personalities. And recently, I've we've had opportunities to have one of our son's home or, you know, two of them together. And I was just remarking this past weekend, like, it changes the dynamics so much. Mm -hmm. It just really, and I think, again, going back to family patterns of behavior, like when you're all together, you just go back to the way it always is, where Mm -hmm. if it's one on one, it's just new things. It's just a new way to relate. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, uh, are there resources or books or, you know, websites that you feel like are helpful for clients? Um, In particular, you said that there's some apps that you recommend sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. So some of the apps, um, there's, what is that? Uh, I just blanked on it. I think there's an app called Calm. There's one, Headspace. There is Hopebox. I know Hopebox is a free one and it'll have like distractors on there's meditation timers, things like that for people to start that practice. And again, their daughter can use it. Parents can use it. Women can use it. Men can use it. And then for the teen relationship in general, one, especially for raising daughters, I recommend Lisa Demore's book Untangled. I think it's really helpful because it really talks about that transition from, you know, middle school to high school and helping parents recognize of, wow, they used to be so much more involved in elementary school. And then once they hit that adolescence, the daughters need to be learning a little more kind of accountability for their schoolwork and things like that. And if they can learn that, sometimes the struggles more so in middle school, then they'll be more prepared for high school, not so stressed out. Mm. And so... How can people find you, social media or elsewhere? Yeah. So if you um, want like therapy services, you can go out to NicoleCBurgess.com. There's also a link. I do some coaching services as well for more of the introvert women and empowering them and getting through um, some unhelpful mindsets that sometimes happen and unblocking that. And they can also go out to Facebook and I'm out at Nicole Burgess Coaching. You also do online counseling. Yes, I do. So it's called distance counseling or virtual counseling or online counseling, telehealth. There's a lot of different names for it. So I'm licensed in California and Indiana. So if somebody lives in either one of those states, I am able to do therapy with them as long as they meet some other criteria that they're not, you know, um, not a risk to themselves or there's not like a severe uh, mental health illness going on. There's certain kind of call restrictions where they need to do more office therapy, but I think it's really nice. And some of my clients here actually use it for when we get snow, ice, or just, you know, nasty traffic that they're able to do that, the convenience of their own home. Wow. That's awesome. So, I mean, this is just so exciting to get more and more information out there to all your listeners and ways that they can learn to truly manage the anxiety versus the anxiety managing them. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more of your episodes and your interviewees and all of that. So I'm glad you got this going. Thank you so much for 
being a guest and spending this time with me today. Thank you, Elizabeth. Again, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Nicole Burgess. She really made it easy uh, to talk about anxiety. And what I really took away from that conversation was that whether you have a daughter or a son, if if they're anxious or the, if there's anxiety impacting that child, it's important to be there as a parent to, to listen and support and not to try to fix, which is really hard to do from coming from being a parent of three children who at times have had anxiety it's really hard it's really hard not to just jump in and want to try to fix things for them but my takeaway was that that's the best thing that you can do is just be there as a support for your child so i hope you enjoyed this if there are things you would like to have me discuss here on the podcast woman warriors uh, i hope you'll reach out you can email me through uh, www.womanwarriors.com or at ecush135 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.